Monday. Hey, Rodney. How's it going today, man? Morning, man. What's going on? How you doing? I'm doing all right. It's a, it's a beautiful day outside. So It's a beautiful okay. day out yeah. here in LA. How, how's it going with you? Man, I'm getting into HRV. What do you know about it? I, I got to say, I don't even know what you're talking about. Heart rate variability. Okay. So you so you know you you got your heart rate right your, how many mm-hmm. times your heart beats. Mm-hmm. So heart rate variability is measuring the distance between each beat for the purpose of understanding where your body is in recovery cycles for athletes. Are you overly um, is your parasympathetic nervous system overactivated? Is your sympathetic nervous system overactivated? It's a it's a fascinating technique that's been around for like fifteen years. I just got into it a couple months ago. You should huh. definitely try it. Sounds measured every morning. Sounds, sounds really complicated. It's really not. There's apps that do it. You don't have to do any of the math yourself. You just breathe, wait a couple minutes, and it tells you where you're at. It's beautiful. Hmm. Oh, well, I'll have to check out the benefits of that. You have to let me know how it goes next week. All right, man. I'll let you know. Welcome back to Under the Skin, a podcast where we look to explore perspective in order to evaluate our mindsets in, uh, in hopes that we can evolve the way we think about things and the way we think about each other. Uh, today's episode is likely our last episode operating as Under the Skin. As we mentioned before, we are in the process of a name change, and I believe we have settled in on, on what that name will be, uh, but that will be revealed in a special episode in today's episode, uh, this is just Rodney and I. Uh, the goal of what we're trying here is just a conversation about something that he and I have never talked about before, and that's that's guns, uh, the use of guns, the rights, uh, our rights to have guns, and just our general sentiments and feelings. Um, interestingly enough, we 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 have some disagreement in this uh, in this episode, and you know, it's really about us exploring how we. Think about it based on having the conversation with somebody else who thinks a little bit differently about it and how we come out just maybe a little less certain with with our, our, our overall feelings and sentiments. So uh, this is a good preparation. We've got some really awesome interviews lined up for the next uh, couple of months that should give us a good six months of content. And we're really looking forward to, to bringing those to you. So again, thank you for joining us and, and enjoy the episode. This started off real light. Like, hey, friend, hey, new friend, want to talk about gun rights in the United States of America? Hey, pal. Hey, hey, pal. Hey, guy. How do you feel about holding a firearm? Speaking of gun rights, didn't you just go to the range this weekend? I'm going next week. It's next week. Next week. Yeah, I'm go to the range. Mm, Only a couple times a year. I don't. I don't actually own a weapon. I just shoot my friends. You shoot your friends' weapons. Weapons. Okay. <laughs> Point of clarification: I don't shoot my friends. Okay. I just shoot their weapons at targets. At targets. made of paper. Mm. Just bullseye targets. And sometimes clay. We like clay pigeons. Those are fun. So, um, since we're talking about gun rights, I presume you're in favor of guns. <laughs> Okay, so there's there's two scenarios. 
I like the Second Amendment. I think it was well thought out originally. However, in my perfect world scenario, we wouldn't have guns in the U.S. I, I, when I think of democracy and protecting the weak and, um, and, and really governing to the lowest common denominator, I don't think the, uh, I don't, I don't think everybody here can handle them. So whether it's intelligence or mental health, there's just, I, I think I, th- I would love to see a day where they were not here, like in the UK or in Australia. And then there's scenario two, the realist kicks in and that'll never happen here. Like mm-hmm. it'll, it'll never happen just because it's happened everywhere else. Like just cause the Brits did it, we'll never, we'll never do it. Um, so then there's like other things I think we could and should do, but let me be sure I'm clear. So a utopia is scenario one. So weapons don't <laughs> exist, period. Yeah, exactly. And one also, everybody has a unicorn. Yeah. No, <laughs> yes. but no, serious question though. Like, but no, yeah. Weapons don't exist. Military weapons don't exist. Mm. No, a military would need them. I mean, yeah, a military would still have them. But on a civilian level, in my perfect scenario, no, we wouldn't have them. Okay, so but in your so you're not against their existence, no. or against their existence in civilian possession. I'm a and and I'm purely against their existence because I don't trust. I don't trust y'all. Mm. I trust myself, but I don't trust y'all with guns. Yeah, that's my problem. So then, scenario two. I don't know if I I quite. So real world scenario for me is they exist and we change how we govern them and which versions of them we allow into the hands of civilians. Okay. It's, it's interesting. So then what makes you want, like what makes you go to the, the gun range? The ex- oh, I, uh, so I grew up shooting. I enjoy shooting. I actually have a pretty good shot. I, I like shooting. It's fun. I think it's a, it's a cool skill. I, I enjoy them. I know a lot about weapons. Um, and, and you know, like the actual, it's not even the actual gun enthusiasts that are the, that are dangerous or a problem. Like there are tons of people that love weapons and collect them and they respect them and they've got safes on safes on safes on safes. But it's not those people I'm worried about. It's like the militias and the, the, the folks that aren't mentally stable enough or that are trying to. That's interesting. Yeah, right. Um, I'm actually very anti-guns. Um, I don't like having them in my household. Uh, I don't like being around them. Uh, have you ever fired a weapon? I have. I went to the, I went to a range. How'd that go? Are you a good shot? Good. I don't know. I've only done it once. And I, it's, uh, <laughs> if you, I think I was 18, 19 years old. Right <clears> so you, there. your response here is almost, uh, it was like, if I could taste it, it was, it was, it was a bitter, like, no, I don't touch guns. Well, so you, so you must be for the abolishment of guns as well. But I'm not. I, I mean, if, if I, if I had my scenario one, guns wouldn't exist, period. Weapons wouldn't exist. Like on the planet? On, like from a, from a, a, a military standpoint, that weapons would exist for the sake of survival to, to eat, to hunt, to gather. Um, weapons would not exist for the, intention of murder um and you know it, it, from a military standpoint the, 
the the progression and evolution of how firearms have been created in order for one side to have an advantage over the other side has certainly come a long way. Um, and Ar- arms race. Yeah. At the end of the day, that would be where I would stand. I don't know how many people would necessarily argue with me on that one because it's actually a really stupid point because it's never going to happen. It's just, it's, it's just, it's not even worth thinking about. From the other side of things, it's, it's interesting you bring up the way the Second Amendment was constructed and I find the Second Amendment to be a fascinating thing. Um, there's, there's a, an author out there, um, Akil Reed Amar, and he writes books on, on interpreting constitutional law. Um, and the Second Amendment is one that has really come a long way. Um, because the original definition of some of the words, like the establishment, uh, the establishment of militia in a state is very different versus when you look back at the original constitution, the establishment of a jury is still something that we still do today in the same construct that was essentially established at that time. Mm-hmm. Whereas we don't have the same rules to establish militia. Um, we don't have this, the same parameters that existed at that time, not just from a, a, a military standpoint uh, or from a, a weaponry standpoint, you know, you compare a musket to an AK-47. We interpret it today based on modern day language. So one of the things that that is interesting in this book that I'm reading, America's Constitution, is just the very idea of um, the people, Right. It's not persons. It doesn't protect persons for having weapons. It protects the people. The idea of it is to collectively own weapons to protect against a, a tyrant state, right? That's why militia definition in the actual amendment itself, while it's not all-encompassing, it is part of it. Um, so – Wait, two, uh, a couple questions. Sure. How would – so in the in the instance of forming a militia – how would you, if if you didn't have your own weapon, would there be like some group stockpile? But then how, like if there was a group stockpile, how is, how would you know that that wasn't taken over by the very group that you're trying to free yourself but from? That's, but that's the, the very nature of the government of the people, right? Like that argument could be made in any facet of the way the government exists, right? But at the end of the day, we, the people, um, it was designed as a constitution for the people by the people so that if the establishment becomes decides to create military action, they cannot lawfully rid the people of their weapons to fight back. Right. Um, and that's the I mean, I'm oversimplifying because it's complex in its interpretation and I still don't fully understand the Second Amendment, but it has been simplified to the point of I have the right to bear arms. Well, bear arms in state constitutions and federal constitutions is a military term. Hmm. Just, just the bear arms part. Just the bear arms part, right? So if bear arms is a military term, Except in this second amendment, the founders mm-hmm. of the constitution, the founders of this country had a slip up and meant, oh, private citizens can just own guns for the right of hunting, for the right of protecting themselves against each other. Right. And that's kind of where we've come with this, this, this gun ownership thing. So 
it's it's a weird position that I ultimately get to when we when it comes to the realistic state of affairs. I don't want guns in my house. I don't want to ever be in a need that I need to defend myself with a gun because someone else has a gun. And you know what? Maybe that's me being more idealistic than in scenario one. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, um, I don't believe that guns should be abolished. And that's kind of part of what makes us the United States is that we do have the right to defend ourselves against a tyrannical government. The lines on that are just so murky these days. And you made an interesting point a second ago because you're like, it turns in more of like a self-defense against each other, like preventing crime in our house or in the cul-de-sac or in the grocery store or because if the government turns on us right now, like if the government went crazy in this, in this country, like martial law, what happened right now in your state, I don't care what guns, even assault rifles you have in your house, nothing you're going to do about it. They got drones. They got they got drones. Tanks. What are you gonna do? Shoot my twenty two. Pew pew. Yeah. (laughs) Pew pew. Um. Exactly, and that's what's what's interesting about the argument to have is which I'm not using. I don't think that's an argument to not have them. I'm just saying, like, it doesn't really. It's not an equal. Like, it's not the back at the day of musket ball and musket. Uh, it was a, it was a fair fight between both sides. Totally. And And maybe they had more cannons. Completely. Yeah. Maybe they had cannons, but you had to wheel those cannons. You still had to pack those cannons. And I mean, I think there needs to be well-regulated gun laws in this country. I believe that militias don't scare me. Um, (laughs) actually because of the training that they go through some of these, uh, these militias that have been established are um, they they train constantly on the use of their weapons and the safe use of their weapons far more than the average person who has one locked up in next to their bed. Yeah, um, people are just like, oh well, you know, I'll be safe because I have it. I've never shot it or trained with it, but it'll be good. Um, yeah, and I think there's a necessity of them within that militia environment like hopefully if shit came to shit there was a militia somewhere in the area that i could you know that 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 cared enough about the constitution and the protection of the people that they would carry forward their belief not just in the second amendment but also in the constitution and right of the people that they would be there to protect and arm and educate so I could be a part of the defense in that exact scenario. That's probably never going to happen. <laughs> um, but where I where I struggle with this more and more is that while I do agree with it, and I think there is a lot, there are a lot of ways that we could protect others while having responsible gun ownership. Um, but the thing that scares me most about guns, and this is kind of my, is that that perspective of. They're fun. I think they're cool. I like to shoot them. Why? That draw to something so dangerous is a dangerous mentality in of itself. Like, guns are a tool 
Sort yeah, of. but that's like saying cars are dangerous because cars kill people. Cars yeah, are dangerous. Cars like guns don't. A, cars have a, a safe practical purpose. Guns do not have a safe practical purpose. Regardless, but just liking a gun doesn't make it dangerous. Right, but the, just that concept of, oh, I like them, I like to shoot them, then I'm more likely to have access to them. By having access to them, maybe I'm concealing carry, I'm more likely to use it in the well, event let's use- of, a, in the event of a, a scenario that may not require someone to die, but they're going to because you have a gun. But let's use me to debunk that. I like firing weapons. Yeah. I don't have access to one. But so how does that make it more dangerous? Fire one. Well, yeah, I mean, I, you could go to a shooting range and rent a gun. Anybody could do that, and you could go buy one. But right. why does that make me any more dangerous than you? I'm not saying you're dangerous. I'm saying the mentality is dangerous. Hmm. Because the mentality of the danger at, at a broad scale of, well, they're cool. I want to have one. I'm safe. I'm good. I'm, I'm responsible, right? It doesn't mean you're necessarily qualified. And that's, so I disagree about the mentality. However, I do think that, well, so two things. One, like, I think there needs to be different thoughts on how we train people or regulate that people get them. And at the same time, I, I struggle with this idea of using legislation to do it because like you can't legislate stupid like it's just it's proven itself over and over like you just you can't there is not a law to keep somebody from being stupid or from perpetrating a crime for that matter like if somebody wants to do something wrong they're gonna do it so but with that i think that all right well let's use cars we have a driver's license test we we have uh classes Mm -hmm. to learn how to drive why why don't we recommend that recommend or require that people have to take shooting classes and if they want to keep that concealed carry permit or keep their gun permit they should every i don't know every six months they need to take a class Mm -hmm. on firing and and using their weapon and then there's some problems there too because then you're like you're taxing people and charging people to keep their weapons so there would be a crap ton of pushback on that but you know, I think we got to look at that. And then, and, and even before that, probably like we just, this country in general, mental health is such a, it's at, at such a low that, you know, somebody can pass a background check, but it doesn't mean that they're healthy enough, uh, mentally. And, 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 and that's the, so the mentality I worry about is the person who's like, I want to go buy, couple guns and go shoot up some people at a movie theater. That's the mentality I worry about. Not the mentality of someone who likes shooting their trees in their backyard. Mm-hmm. That doesn't bother me. It bothers me because you don't know who that person is and you, and we, we are not, we've, it seems to me that we've kind of taken a stance that health, physical and mental health is like, it's, it's on you. We don't care as a society. So we just have people out there that, aren't stable and we sell weapon. And I, I don't think it matters if it's an assault rifle or a handgun. Like I don't think it matters. Like somebody wants to fire one of those in a public place. Somebody's going to get hurt. More people can get hurt if it's a, you know, semi-automatic or the, the, mental, the mental health one. Um, I struggle with and I agree with at the same time because <clears throat> 
you know, mental health is a, a term that's often used to describe those without sound mental health over a period of time, right? But doesn't necessarily mean that someone who is of sound mind suddenly, you know, loses a child, loses a spouse, and then loses their mind instantly. They, they have access to gun. Maybe they bought, maybe they are a gun collector. You know, so, so the concept of the, the, the concept I do agree with is, is regular check-ins, right? Like if you're, you know, it's, it's probably good to have some, you, you get a physical every year, right? I mean, you don't, well, you're not required not every, to, not everybody you're not required to, but, um, at you the should. same time, like if you're, if you're uh, a driver and you reach a certain age and you can no longer see, you will have your license revoked, right? Um, that's, that's a whole different issue though, you know, with the mental health component could be just a, a regular checkup, like everything's good, right? But mm-hmm. then again, how do you track it all? I think one of the areas that we need to be better at is, is making it more difficult to get guns period. Um, and I know there's always the argument, well, bad guys are always going to get, try to get guns. Right. But the more difficult it is to legally get guns, the more demand it is to illegally get guns. Thus the cost will go up. It becomes difficult to get guns in that case while it's still possible. And then it's a matter of will and grit. Like, do I really need to get it? Um, but that's only going to solve a part of the problem. Like, I mean, at this point it's, it's cultural, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the Las Vegas thing, you know, this, we, we accept too many things just in the, in the stance of, of the second amendment, at least politically, but I know, you know, what is the, the number? 78% of, a, of the NRA believe in reasonable gun laws and, and gun regulation. Um, but the NRA lobbies that, nope, you're just going to get your guns taken away from you because that's all, that's all people want to do. It's either take them away or, or have them. Um, I which, don't know. I'm just, which comes back to you, you got to track the money on it and start looking at, what happens when there's a shooting like Vegas, the unfortunate, the unfortunate reality is that companies that make weapons and weapon parts, their stock goes through the roof, through the roof. It goes up. And so they make more money because more people are then afraid. And after every shooting, the people become more afraid that the government's going to try to take away the weapons. So they stockpile them. Like, people are afraid of guns being taken, and then, like, nobody really comes to the table. Like, Sandy Hook, for me, was... Mm. I didn't even... Ha- I didn't have a child then. Mm. But it seems like... It, it It seemed like that might be a moment where people might legitimately sit down and say, okay, we have to do something, and So, nothing. this kind of goes back to an interesting comment that you made. I'm not for it being legislated, right? Um, how else do you do it then? Because this is, this is where, you know, when we look at the NRA's influence over laws in this country and the actual people's will and desire to have some level of reasonable, rational, I don't want to say gun control, but, you know, control over the access of weapons. Um, 
if if it's not legislature, if it's not laws, what is it? It's a really I, so I I don't have the answer for that. I I just think that the problem with legislature is that it just leaves so many holes, and it and it it tends to be kind of an all or nothing, and it's not very precise. And really, if you're talking about the the culture, and there's a lot of things that lead to the culture. You got media, like every if you if you watch your local news every day, you get home from work, you're going to see some type of violent action at the top of the news show, and then for certain people, that's going to make them say, "Okay, I need a weapon or six just to defend myself," and then we're having more of these large shooting events, churches and schools, and they're happening more now. And I, I just don't, as a tool to get people to change their minds on like how we actually change stuff, it, I don't know. It, it seems like, uh, like it's like legislation is not precise enough to actually, uh, address what needs to be addressed, I guess, is my thought. I don't think, like, realistically, some legislation would have to go into place to, tr- at least to attempt to make a change. But my question is, what would that be? Like, what would the change be? And then how would it be, um, how would it be beneficial to everybody? I like, how, the, you know, I think it's yeah. the culture. I think it's the culture of guns. Um, kind of goes back to that mentality. And this is why I think it's, it's the danger piece of it. It's like, it's cool. It's fun. Um, it's, 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 I like to shoot. And I, I mean, hey, if that's, that's your thing, that's your thing. I'm not, you know, necessarily saying you're a bad person because you think that, right? But I think that's what, that's part of the slippery slope of the contribution of the culture. The culture of gun ownership is, is designed by second amendment because that's obviously the pivotal component of, of gun ownership in our country is designed for the protection against a a tyrannical state in essence, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's, at its bare principle, whether it's the right of the people, whether it's the right of individual persons, whether it's the right to hunt or whatever the case at the end of the day, the, the necessary component is the government can't take away your guns because you have the right to have them in the event that a military action is necessary against the state because their armies and military are acting against the people. But the culture of guns in our country is very much not that anymore. It's good guys with guns defeat bad guys with guns. It's um, I need it to protect my family. It's uh, um, I need it because I hunt, you know, basic innocuous things like that or, or seemingly innocuous things. The culture of guns is so widespread And that's why for me, it's like, I'm not against their existence. Um, I'm against their existence. Okay. I'm not going to contradict myself. I'm not against people (laughs) having them at this point. I'm also for rational, reasonable access to them at the same time, creating it a better ecosystem and culture. That's not so profit driven. Your position is that they no one should have them, but you like to shoot them and you're going to go shoot them next week. Yeah. I mean, I just, I I came to a point where I'd be willing, like say I had a gun right here. Like I'd be willing to give it up to say, okay, we're going to not, I would forego the joy that I 
take in shooting to say, okay, are we going to be a little bit safer because we don't all have them? Like, I would do that. Mm. But we're not going to get to that place. So... I think something in the mid. Well, I see. What's the middle though? Like I don't even know. Yeah, what is the middle? I don't know what the middle is. Yeah. Oh. And I think that's what's one of the most fascinating components of this. This, I understand both polar sides. Like, there's the interpretation of the Second <laughs> Amendment is that I, as a person, have the right to bear arms, based on modern language modern understanding of English and modern rules and knowledge. Um, it is not necessarily the same as uh, the the founding fathers intended or even wrote it technically if you extrapolate its complete meaning based on the language that was used throughout the rest of um, the Bill of Rights right, and uh, the Constitution itself. So if so there's that side of it, but I get it, right? Like I do get that, that it is a right to protect ourselves. Like that's part of the foundational principles of who we are and where we started. It's like, Hey, Hey England, like, no, you're not coming over here and you're not going to, uh, you know, we're going to fight back and we're going to establish that right to fight back. Mm-hmm. And then you have the other side of it, like, and that's the danger side of it. That's the scary side of it. It's the Las Vegas. It's the Sandy Hook. It's every other mass shooting that's happened in the last 20 years. You know, uh, Virginia Tech, like the the church in Texas. I mean, and they seemingly are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, Las Vegas is just a horrifying situation when you think about the mass, the mass injuries, let alone the mass casualties. So then there's that argument. It's like, why should these exist? And then you go to the other side. Well, then an, another side, not the other side. Another side is a lot of these attacks that have happened recently have been people just driving cars into crowds. The a gun itself isn't bad. Just like, I mean, it's just an, it's an item. It's a, it's a thing. It, it has to be picked up and used and directed. It's the they person wielding don't it. Kill people, people kill people. That that discussion. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I think what leads me all the way to the scenario of getting rid of them is like, well, we're not getting rid of people. Mm. Like, and you people, know, which I might, which I might be in favor of. I'm not a lot. Like, <laughs> I might be in favor. Bleak, get, <laughs> wait a second. Wait a second. Um, but like, we're not like that's not an option. Getting rid of people. Mm-hmm. So maybe we do something different with the things. Cause I mean, that- it, along that line of thinking, like people are going to kill people. Like murder happens, whether it's with fists, whether it's with a knife or whether it's with a gun. It's just a matter of how quickly and how easily can you kill people? And do you take away the right to like, what would happen if everybody was armed? Like everybody. I think let's um, play that scenario. People, people would just kill each other. You think so? I mean, look what happened to Will Smith in in New Orleans. Will Smith, the football player, the football player, not the actor, not the actor, not 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 Big Willie's stuff, not Fresh Prince. Um, Had Dyson the mute gets into a road rage incident, gets shot. Is that wait? Did that happen? Yeah, it happened. What a couple years ago, a few years ago. Don't road rage. You never know. 
See, okay, so here was another thing. Here was a okay. So the the what led me to the question about what happened if everybody had guns? I started thinking about the Cold War and U.S. and Russia and zero sum game, like all the nuclear powers. Like nobody's gonna fire one except so you for crazy. Think it would just be a series of standoffs. Mm, I. Maybe. Like, I don't but see, well, that, th- there's a so. there's a difference. There's a difference. I think again about the whole intelligence level thing. Like n- everybody doesn't necessarily understand what zero sum means. So it may not play out to be a zero sum game. If you just give everybody a gun, they might be like, "Ooh, I can get what I want now." Versus theoretically, nation states realize the awesome responsibility it is to hit that nuclear button. So they're like, you know what? If we fire ours and we're going to get five more back at us, we're just not going to do it. Yeah, and I think what's what's interesting, and it depends on where you are in the country, depends on the culture that you grew up in. Um, there is uh, a lot of studies done in um, rural white cultures, especially in the South. A lot of crime that that happens, murders, whatever, are are revenge based. Or um, based on a spite against the family or... Like family feuds. Yeah, that type of thing. The McDonald's versus the McCoys. Yeah, it's similar to gang violence, right? Like, you kill mine, I'm going to kill yours, and it's just this cycle of things. Though this happens in rural white country, it's just not as concentrated and as dense. Um, and it happens in urban areas, um, with, with the, uh, you know, Latin Kings and, you know, Crips versus the Bloods. Um, that mentality will always, so then it's just not, it's no longer, okay, we're on equal stand and we're going to take 10 paces and we're going to fire at each other, right? It's, I'm going to drive by your house and I'm going to shoot you and your family, right? Now we're talking maybe, about this scenario maybe, again where everybody has a gun. Maybe we just bring duels back. Like, everybody's got to wear a glove, and if <laughs> somebody disrespects you, just take it off and smack them. Someone's just gonna slap you. Sir, I will see you at 3 p.m. on the morrow under the flagpole. I really have a hard time not agreeing with you wholeheartedly right on, like what you know similar to what australia did when they when they burned well because they so that thing right they because they got rid of like assault rifles and handguns but they still have hunting rifles mm, right they still have hunting and i and i actually think in the uk there's still hunting rifles as well there's like a permit system still for that but they still have hunting rifles. like there's hunting is huge in the uk yeah and i think I, I think especially in an individualistic culture like the United States, the belief to control my, my, my outcome. I don't trust our government, right? And I don't trust the ecosystem of people. I'm kind of down with that. I don't trust it either. As a, as a, as a group, when you, when you consider in the history of humankind, it's people that elect people like, or people that appoint and support and get behind people like Hitler. Right. That happens. And as a as a as an ecosystem of people that I mean, this needs to get to a level where whether you're conservative, liberal, whether you're a Republican or Democrat, then Mm -hmm. we got to stop this this battle of, oh, 
I, I hate Democrats or I hate liberals or they're snowflakes or they're conservatives or they're Republicans and those Republicans and this and that. And they, you know, that Trump voter and that guy, it's like, well, listen, we may not all agree on where, on, on the way we want to approach certain things, but let's stop muddying the waters with all of this nonsense. Right. Like, I don't agree with you. So you're a fascist and like, yeah, I don't agree with you. So you're a socialist. And it's like, right. I think you should look up the definition of those their words, because like, and and if we don't get that under control, you know. But you you made an interesting point, like not trusting government. I think it goes even deeper, like not trusting your neighbor. Like a lot of people don't even know their neighbors. I, it's a uh, forget the person that you walk past on the street or at the shop, but like obviously you don't trust them, but right. you don't even trust your neighbors. Yeah. And I said that with, and that was, that was in Jess. Yeah. No, it's, it's interesting with, uh, it's, it's, I don't know. I mean, it's such a complex conversation and I'd love to say it was simple. I'd love to say, I'd love to agree. Well, look, look at our view. Look at, look at you. You, you dislike guns. Hate them. I, I really do. I don't like them. But you think we should find a way to use them. I love them and think we should find a way to get rid of them. Yeah. (laughs) Like, like that doesn't make any sense if you really, but exactly. And like, when you think about the entire ecosystem of opinions and, and the, the, the democratic principles of debate, right? This is where it gets so complex. I'd love to sit there and just say, Oh, I'm with everybody who says, get rid of guns. Just get rid of them. I, I did. No one should have them. I'd love to be there. It's just, and I just have a hard time. Maybe it's an ethnocentric view. Maybe it's naive. Maybe it's stupid. Um, ab- abiding by that. Um, and ultimately introducing all of the nuances and, and, and it's fascinating to me all of the different opinions that exist. And I love talking to people about this very issue and it gets mm. very angry and heated. I think one of the more interesting things about it is you can have a dialogue about and, ex- and, and discuss the, the nuances associated with the, the discussion to the point where, sure, some people will say, get rid of them. Sure. Some people will say, keep them. Keep them all. Everybody should have them. Heck, there are states that allow you to register guns to infants. Um, so long as you're breathing, you can have a gun. But if I feel like we can't even get to that because people are so afraid of like, you're going to take my guns and say, okay, no, nobody's going to take your guns. And no, we're not going to get like, we're not going to get rid of all guns. But let's talk about a way to responsibly own them. Like it, it, you know, yeah. I mean, I, and I wish at the end of this conversation, we had some conclusion to draw that says, hey, you know, this is the best thing to do. But all I would say is if this is an important topic to you as a listener, find someone who comes from the other side of it and level set. Say, hey, I know you think about this differently than I do. I'm curious to understand the nuance of your perspective because it's complex and it's different and if the heat goes up bring it back down don't let it rise to a point where it's an uncontrollable shouting match that doesn't accomplish anything those are the best right and if nothing else that that conversation can provide to you 
It's an opportunity to just think about it when you walk away, right? Give you a thought that may not change your mind and you may not change the other person's mind, but maybe you can just think about the perspective.